episode 143 fast and furious and evolving i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and we're going to keep this a brief intro this episode that you're going about to hear today is our comic-con panel unedited i figured it'd be weird for me to edit a thing that was live and that has been viewed yeah. live and you can view still live on youtube but if you want to check it out if you missed it if you only want to hear the audio if you're like i can't look at their faces i want to keep the mystery <laughs> intact uh, this is our Comic-Con panel that we did with Nico and Kevo and your wife, Rachel, uh, a couple yep. weeks ago, and we talked about the franchise and inclusion and diversity and growth and evolution and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that we talk about on here. I think it was like a this was like a 30-minute crunch of what we usually discuss at length here, so you'll hear a lot of the same things that we normally talk about, but... It was awesome to be a part of, and we did talk about some new stuff, I think, so. I think this is going to, I think we might have even talked about on here before, that this kind of feels more like an introduction, introductory class to our podcast, and I don't yes. know how much, if anything, people will get uh, from this on here, but I also felt that it would be really weird. It would be even weirder to, like, do this thing and then not share it on the feed. Yeah, and I so, agree. <laughs> without further ado, we will put this here, but I do want to announce next week, if you want to watch along, if you've been watching along, we are kicking off another themed week. And we are doing Ooh. Animation Week. And not only Animation Week, but we are doing two movies that are patron-selected. Nice. On Tuesday, we are first starting off with a movie selected by Alex Elenin, a racing movie with Michelle Rodriguez, Turbo. Yes. Turbo is available on Netflix if you want to watch Turbo. And then on Friday, rescheduled from earlier in the lap. I don't remember what we, why we rescheduled. We I don't Reef know. Week. It was going to be Reef Week. It was going to be Reef Week, but was it Fast and Furious on a budget or was it the other? Inter- I don't remember what it was, but we were going to do Reef Week. We we're going to do Finding Nemo, but Haley yeah. Gerbys, we have finally got your back. Part of Animation Week now, Finding Nemo available on Disney Plus on Friday. So two things that if you have kids, I'm sure you have both Netflix and Disney Plus. Or even if you don't have kids, you know, I have both of those. So, you know, both readily easy to find. So go check those out wherever, or, you know, don't. That's up to you. Um, Joe, (laughs) any other thoughts to say before we get into the Comic-Con panel? No, I'm just so thankful that Nico and Kevo included us in this. They're obviously the bros forever, but it was really, really cool. So I'm I'm very thankful to them and Comic-Con. Let's take a quick break and then come back with the Comic-Con panel. Everybody, it's Nico with more amazing content being brought to you by the amazing people at NYCC, Read Pop, Find the Metaverse, and sponsored by LGBTHQ. And today, I am so happy to be moderating this panel. Uh, I've been lucky to be a part of this super cool podcast for a couple of weeks now, but it's been going years longer than me. So this is the cast of, well, you know what, let me introduce them and they can take care of it. Joey, Joe too, you guys want to set this thing up? Yes, hello, we are the yeah, hosts well- of too fast too forever the fast and the furious podcast which started monthly and now is twice a week which is honestly too much fast and furious really but uh <laughs> you know, there's a lot more to talk about than the cars yeah um we started this out there's just like a crazy project trying to see if we would 
ever get sick of watching these movies and it turns out we haven't yet so yeah we're yeah. seven laps deep and keep going well and i've been lucky enough to be pulled in as a matter of fact you guys might notice that i'm cosplaying dom and <laughs> So, oh, we know. got the Dom voice early. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that we got it very early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm lucky enough to be part of this current lap with my amazing husband, Kevo. Hey, Kevo. Hey, Kevo. So, <laughs> we are continuing a grand tradition of amazing guests on this show. So, I would like to thank returning guest, Rachel, who's actually been part of the show before. Hey, Rachel. Hi. Thanks so, for having me. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, I think what I was most mind blown about with this franchise was specifically how much better I thought women were treated than I, I guess I, I thought they'd be, Rachel. Like, can you speak to that as a woman watching these movies? How does it feel to get the representation of Letty's strength or I guess Mia's mostly competence? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because you can see it happen as the movies progress as well, too. Like, the first movie kind of starts out and you get either badass in Letty or, like... There's food all over the place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I can drive a little bit, but, like, I'm not as tough <laughs> as, as Letty is. And then it just progresses into this amazing thing, and eventually you get a female villain, which is awesome. Oh, and I, I can't I can't speak enough about how much I love Giselle, but that's way ahead of the curve here. <laughs> and speaking of things that took time to get there, Kevo, I think one of the things that I remember you saying early on in the episodes that we were a part of was the queer inclusion was a little bit more than expected. I mean, the homoeroticism is bar none, but the <laughs> queer inclusion. Well, and something that you have to consider with this is the fact that the franchise is pretty old now it started in 2001 so when somebody lets the fag word slip i'm like all right it's a product of the era but as this franchise has continued to move forward they've been a lot better about uh equally representing genders and the cartoon spin-off spy racers is very surprisingly queer for a children's cartoon so uh it's pretty exciting the way that it's developed and I actually really love their use of a very inclusive cast of actors and uh, their inclusive cast of actors on top of that in not just terms of uh, people of color and the amazing uh, voice work there from recognizable actors from things like Hamilton and Team Community. Old. I was almost like, and community. popular? Pop, no, pop. But pop, pop. That's been the problem. I was like, yeah, popular. Yeah, that's what you're thinking, pop, pop. But Tyler Posey has been an outspoken advocate for his queer fan base and is I almost almost cosplay Tony. So it was it was <laughs> which Toretto was I gonna oh, go with? <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> so, this but one's back easier. To, <laughs> back to the heart of the panel. Uh, you know, when you guys pulled us into this, I was not expecting what I got in Fast and the Furious because I think I was expecting a pretty long Hot Wheels trailer, and what I got was a pretty long Hot Wheels trailer with hints of Olive Garden. And so <laughs> I think what I want to know, Joey, Joe too, what made you guys say there is something in this franchise as early as that first movie? Well, you know, I came to it really late. I came into it a decade into the franchise. I was kind of like you. I was like, oh, I don't need to watch the car movies. I get it. I don't, whatever. And then how did this get made? A podcast that I love and we, you know, I try to emulate both directly and indirectly. They covered the fifth one, but not because it's bad, because it's crazy and fun and over the top. And I was like, oh my God. And like they paid such reverence and respect to it. And I was just on board from that moment. And then Joe and I ran through an entire podcast about Zach Efron's movies. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. But then we were like, what if we only watched good movies? Like, what if we watched movies that we liked? And we're like, what could we do? And we just settled on this. And like, it's bloomed and blossomed in a way that I don't think we could have expected. 
no, 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 too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started at the movies because I was a, you know, 12 year old boy when the first one came out and I wanted to see a cool car movie. And then, you know, you stick around with them and you see that they grow as I grew and it was just like a really cool thing. So I think that us as a team try to promote them that there's something for everyone here. And like you were saying, you know, you didn't think that this might've been for you, but we, we really try to pitch that there is something for you in these. It's not just a car movie about, you know, driving around fast. So that's what it's also about driving around furious. Yes, exactly. It is certainly about driving around furious as well. But what I love, what I love about this just real quick is that each lap we have different guests on and like having you guys on here for the first time watching this for the first time and bringing your perspective as your, you know, your media literate selves and both in franchises on your podcast and like all the, intelligence and perspective that you're bringing is open like we're learning new things through you guys so it's not just that you're seeing these for the first time we're learning what you guys think about these and i think that's kind of amazing and i think that's sort of the magic of the beautiful mess that is the fast and the furious you know rachel you were just saying before that that first movie has so little female inclusion and i actually think there might be more women in the background without names than there are named women half naked like no no named extras there's way yeah. more of those making out with each other of course a lot of, yep. you know, yep. go you know a lot of you know, <laughs> but see some, some of that is fun you got to keep some of that but um yeah it's, it's really nice to watch it evolve and change and like then you start getting more women like at the core of the family um i mean it's not to say that there's not more that they should be doing or can be doing or will be doing um so i mean i'm just we we got to get that all female movie and then I'll be happy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I might have heard something about a Letty Led spin-off. Yep. So I'm I'm pretty Please. I'm pretty jazzed. Now Kevo, I know you touched on the fact that they, you know, kind of used a bit of a gay slur at <laughs> the first movie. What kept you going through that other than commitment to the podcast that would make us look bad if we backed out on? Um well it wasn't the second movie. <laughs> but when we got to Fast and Furious and I saw that uh, it really was developing with the times and, you know, the female characters were really starting to step it up. I remember from, I think it was, is it four five or five, six, the characters? Yes, four five, the characters of uh, Tego, Leo, and Rico Santos. Mm-hmm. Um how we had discussed that they could really be read as queer coded uh, in a similar way to those characters from Star Wars Rogue One, where it's not explicit, but like there's definitely the interpretation there. And that really intrigued me uh, the way that they didn't go out of their way to over heterosexualize those characters, which is something that uh, happens to a lot of characters in these franchises for no reason. They just needlessly slap it all off. Just be real straight. Be real straight. But, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that second movie that I'm really glad you got a slight jab in, as you know, as a Cuban man, you know, it really is important to see a lot more diversity. And also as a fan of 90s R&B jams, it's really <laughs> important for me to see Tyrese inclusion. Tyrese. Yeah. And so this second movie, um, Fast and Furious, Let's All Attack Miami Real Fast, was <laughs> definitely, I, I was not prepared for it. And it took the franchise in a very different direction. And Joey, that was one of the things you tried to prepare me for, to understand that the movies are a dynamic, not static endeavor. 
Yeah, and I think with the second and the third movie with Tokyo Drift, like Kevo just brought up Rogue One, but we spent a lot of time on the podcast with you guys talking about how like Too Fast and Tokyo Drift are kind of like Rogue One and Solo. Like they're canon, but they're not really canon. Like they're kind of standalone stories. And so they take good parts. And, you know, Kevo mentioned, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the fourth one, like the reboot, the restart, whatever you want to call it, I think they take the best parts of those movies and take characters they like, get rid of the rest and just, but there's good stuff in there that is like, hey, we're going to try something new. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, hey, cool, it'll stick around. Good. Who's supposed to go? Did we freeze? Oh, I guess we might have lost Nico. But Joe, if you want to talk about the Too Fast, I know you love Too Fast. I'm a big fan of Too Fast, and that one's a great one for us because that's the one that John Singleton directed. Mm -hmm. So they brought in, you know, a a director that we wouldn't normally see or think about doing a movie like this. And um, he brings along Tyrese from Baby Boy, and um, he just like the movie's just dripping Miami, and like that, like the cool neon soak that everything's in is something that I really liked about Too Fast. And Ava Mendes. And Ava Mendes. And Ava Mendes, obviously. She's one of the best parts. Yeah. I think Maybe. it really early on showed the potential for the franchise to go in so many different directions and have so many options. And by only having Paul Walker in that one and a cameo from Vin Diesel in the next one, it shows that there can be connective tissue without it having to be, you know, all so connected all the time. Yeah. And speaking of the next one, let's talk about Tokyo Drift for a second. Nico, we just talked about Too Fast, but now we're on to Tokyo Drift, which is one that you guys did not really care for. I mean, you know, it felt like it's okay for a, an entity or a property to go to another country and pay tribute to the quality of the culture, right? And by quality, I don't mean the goodness or badness of the culture, you know, I mean, There we okay. So it talked about the quality of the culture, and I think part of what's really important with that is understanding that if you're going to go to another culture, you have to be respectful of it. And Tokyo Drift felt a little bit like an intrusion. It felt a little bit like we're going to drive through mm. Tokyo and not really respect and understand the culture. The way I've come to understand that the films are able to with when they go to Rio, it's a little bit more like we're in Rio as opposed to like, haha, check out this backdrop. You know, it, it's you can't just green screen in a country and yeah. that's not culture. And so that was my big problem with uh, Tokyo Drift that said. I, I keep forgetting who not Brian. I keep forgetting not Brian's Sean. name. Sean. <laughs> Sean. Yes. Speaking of connective tissue, Sean showing up elsewhere was lovely. Yeah, and I think that what's important with Tokyo Drift, and Joe, you can talk about this too a little bit, is that we got Justin Lin. He comes in here and establishes the visual style, the directorial style, and really what these movies feel like. And it's cool that he's a man of color. Like he's, you know, in a position of power that is traditionally dominated by white men. And to have basically the voice and the face and like the direct literal director of your franchise being an Asian man is awesome. Yeah. And he's he's like continued it on. So he did three, four, five, and six, and then yep. he left for seven and eight. And now he's coming back to finish the franchise as well. So I mean like his staying power is as great as the franchise was, but you really see in three that he starts putting his influence into the films and they really start to move that way. So I attribute a lot of the growth from them to him specifically. And, you know, I really love that you're bringing up that Justin Lin came in and sort of dram dramatically transformed the franchise. I do think we saw a stronger 
voice from women, starting with Tokyo Drift. And Rachel, you know, watching the rise of women behind the wheel, like, because that's a thing for me. Like, I need to see the women driving. Mm -hmm. Give them the core, right? Because if we can, if women are known for being minivan moms, right, that yeah. we're putting a lot of power behind the wheel, right? We're giving women really big, so let's let's honor it, okay? Yeah. So even if you want to be sexist and horrible, women know how to drive. They can maneuver a minivan. I can't. So, <laughs> I learned how to drive on a minivan, but I can drive other stuff too. <laughs> right, and so talk to me about how it how it felt watching women go from the bucket seat next to the 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 driver to in charge and driving. Oh, it's awesome. I love seeing it. I love seeing them kick a guy's ass in a race. It's awesome. I wish I could do that. And it's nice to see that like there are people out there who can do it. So like it's who's to say that I wouldn't be able to one day, you know? I can't drive for shit, so I'm sure you could kick my ass in a race, no problem. So I, I do have a little bit of a lead foot, but <laughs> <laughs> a leady foot as it Ooh. were. Now, you guys had promised me that with Fast and the Furious, I was going to start with car movies, and I was going to end up with something akin to basically Transformers without the cars people. They're just people with cars. And, you know, I kind of didn't believe you, and then 456 marked a severe departure in format, and sort of a new something else. Like, The Rock added a certain infusion, not of just men of color, which was desperately needed, and not just for someone to kind of up the stakes on Dom, but <laughs> it added a layer of depth to the films by giving this family an outside factor. And I think this was the rise of, you know, when you're driving your family. Do you want to talk a little bit about the core of this movie being like family? And this is where the, you know, that, that took hold. Yeah. I think that as the O'Connor family grows and the Toretto O'Connor share a household, they're no longer two houses alike in dignity, whatever, whatever. They're now shared by the bond between Mia. Like there is truly a sense of family, not only blood family, but found family here too. That's what we love. Yeah. I love that about it too. That that's something that we also like to show in the movies is that it shows you that family isn't just who you're related to by blood and you can make your own family by the, like the friends that you have and the people that are in your circle. And that is really meaningful to a lot of people that might not have, you know, a distinct blood line family that they hang out with all the time. Right. It's, it's who you build your life around. So in that way, you're saying that, now, I know we've discussed it on the show a little bit, too, so I'm, I'm kind of connecting some things. So, guys, if you want to hear a little bit more, you should check out the show. It's super fun. <laughs> but one of the things we've talked about on the show and now here, we're saying this idea of found family and you define who your world is. You can always find a home. And I think that's part of what Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X, this, you know, whatever, millennials, whatever we are anymore. I don't care. We're, we're alphabet soup and it's beautiful. I think that's something that they're searching for. And I wonder if that's part of why it connects with this generation. Kevo, you know, as somebody who does not see a lot of queer people represented in action movies, I feel like while we're not getting queer representation in four, five, six in overt ways, we are seeing a softer kind of man arrive as well. Uh, whether it's in Roman's intentional softness at times, or it's in the form of Brian and Dom's ability to basically love up on each other. Right? How do you feel about the portrayal of masculinity and queerness in the idea of Fast and the Furious as the franchise evolves? I really have appreciated that, actually. Uh, you know, men don't really have problems showing affection to each other in this franchise, which is great. Um, 
I think something that also really resonates with the queer community is the concept of found family, because a lot of us end up with found family based on our own troubled home experiences. And so this idea of people coming together for a common goal and common purpose and, you know, way that they live their lives is something that very much resonates with the queer experience. And they live their lives a quarter mile at a time, just like everybody does. So, you know. They actually take huge leaps in these films. I really think, um, as you've said before, Five, where uh, you've, you've had some amusing nicknames for it, I, which I've appreciated. But I think one of the things I love about uh, Five and Four is that's really where the refinement begins. And they sort of shed the, uh, the as I called it, the Rush Rush, the Paula Abdul music video of it, and zeroed in on the core elements that matter. Like, how do you feel defining these as an action movie, Joes? I think that they there's a real decided shift between three and four, and four is kind of a movie in transition in a lot of ways, but they go from being car movies to action movies, and I think not really caring about cars, I'm so sorry, uh, <laughs> caring more about action movies, but also entering at five, where it's like a full-blown, like, one of the best action movies of the decade. I think, like, objectively, five and six are both, like, top 10-ish action movies of the decade. They're just amazing. Like, there is a real shift from one type of movie to another that kind of puts people off, but also brings other people in. And I feel like whatever you're looking for, whether it's cars or family or action or this or that or whatever, there's something there for you. And I think if you are coming to it from an action movie standpoint, they're amazing. Yeah, I was going to say that as much as I think about them as being action movies, I think that as we progress, they're more like the relationships mean more to us. That's what we spend most of our time talking about on the show is how like the interplay between everyone and, and the dynamics that they have. So as much as if you'd like them because they're action movies, you can like them because they're dramas too. And if you like cars, there's cars in them as well. So. Yeah, we joke about how we like check out during the action scenes because we've seen like how many times <laughs> can we see a car jump yeah. out of a plane, but we're like, oh my, oh, like what, what, did, what did Mia say? Like, what's that poster on? Like, is that, a, is that an oversized fork and knife on the wall of Toretto's marketing? Like, what is, like, it's just the weird character details that we care about. Like the action's great, but it's more than just that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the things that I love the most about Fast and Furious was the wealth of material and the way the wealth of material was, as long as you move your hands a lot, people keep looking. The wealth of material that you guys explore with Fast and the Furious and that, you know, I found out there's the short films. And like, I actually think one of the most fascinating things is Vin Diesel directed a short film in the Fast and the Furious franchise, which is probably the best 10 minutes of the franchise. And <laughs> it's super important. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important to continuity too, if you think about it. Yeah. And it essentially yeah. establishes the value of each character as someone important for me. Now, I would love to hear everybody's reaction because I just that center idea that marriages, especially starting in four, five, six, seven, this idea of love as a central figure that keeps you going, you know, it's sort of your NOS boost, right? <laughs> I I'm really fascinated how these went from car movies to kind of like romances as well in a lot of ways yeah Yeah. now how do you guys feel as guys who came to the room room guys you know car 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 action movie and you know rachel you were coaxed into this being told that women will eventually be treated better (laughs) how do you guys feel about the fact that for all that these are action car movies the french connection gone mad these are also romances about complex relationships 
Yeah, I mean, there's something special about the relationships, both the, like, the bromance, if that's a word, that, like, between Dom and Brian, like, there's the, there's the story between Brian and Mia early in the franchise, but, like, the real love story is Brian and Dom. It's, like, modeled after the Point Break love story. It's the Keanu Sweezy, and, I mean, how can you not be in love with both of them, really? So there's something, there's more to it. Like, just, there's what you see, and then there's what you see, if that makes sense. Oh, I absolutely get that, yeah. I like that, um, that yeah, you, you do get those dynamics, and I also like the relationship dynamics of how they interact because they are one family you know what i mean so like there is some kind of play around that where like the o'connor family kind of has to join the toretto family and these type of things but as a guy that was in it for the car movies you know like once you establish relationships with the characters yourself for as like as a fan then you want to see them be happy or you know find love and stuff like that so that you know opens it up and it wasn't really a hard transition for a lot of the people that i know that are fans to see this happen how about you rachel how did you feel about watching like the rise of the fast furious female in the sense of them being in like loving relationships or just yeah, in general? Like- yeah, and like loving relationships and not just sex objects, but rather people with value that is treat that are treated as people, not like, you know, a really tight pair of pants. Mm. I mean, that's that's how life is, you know? Like most people are going to at one point in their life find someone that will be their ride or die, you know? And you want these characters that you've grown so attached to to get that. And maybe you introduce their, like, say Giselle, like you introduce her as like, is she good? Is she bad? Like, is is she going to go like be with Dom first? But then like she and like they, they find each other and just like, it's so cute. You just, you want that for them. Speaking of wanting it for them, I want Han for me, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Han is the mm. best character in the franchise. That's, that's, he, Han is my ride or die. Okay. <laughs> so I, I got it. But speaking of the the expansiveness of the franchise, something I haven't personally gotten to yet is how the franchise continues to grow past what I've seen. I've seen seven, which was a lot of fun, but I know that seven kind of rolls into eight, kind of rolls into Hobbs and Shaw. And, you know, the truth of it is that seven had to deal with a tragic loss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter how they chose to handle it, it was a really beautiful way to respect an actor who had made a lot of people very happy with this role and had brought a lot of people, a lot of joy. And so, you know, no matter what the loss of Paul Walker was a tremendous thing for this cast and this creative team to have to work through. But I think to have built a franchise more diverse and more inclusive out of it is something that truly reflects the positivity that Fast and Furious is meant to represent. How do you feel about this very open world, almost like like Breath of the Wild, like all the options in front of you, Fast and Furious future? We just talked about on our most recent episode about the you know the, the the difficulties right of adapting to that on the fly and like what you say oh it didn't really affect the franchise as opposed to like what you want to say which is like oh it ruined everything or we had to change everything but I think like Rachel was saying about you know that's what life is like you know life throws you curveballs sometimes and if these movies if art imitates life and these kind of reflect family and new family and found family then the way things change the way things you have to adapt to things you know, I think they recovered a nice way, and I can't wait for you guys to see these next two movies, and then for all of us to see beyond that. Yeah. 
I like the I like the trajectory and the openness that they leave themselves, and we've seen that they establish that they they're open to growing and open to being more diverse and and expanding, and so like that's very positive for me, knowing that like they keep adding stuff like the cartoon for kids and the video game and like all this extra content on the thing and becoming more open. That's that's awesome, and that's something that I want as a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Well, and as a fan, I love that you brought up the video game because the video game and Spy Racers both did pretty huge things, not just in giving Kurt Russell a woman of color counterpart in the cartoon, which, by the way, best character on the show, bar <laughs> none. And, she, better, uh, she better be in the, the Letty led all women's movie. I, oh. I want her in it so badly. I need Ms. Nowhere everywhere. Not only did we get Ms. Nowhere and Echo, who Echo can kick everybody's ass in the Spy Racers cartoon, but the video game had some pretty significant um, advancements in terms of visibility. If I'm not mistaken, there was a either non-binary or genderqueer option in the selection process for the new video game. Yeah, so they the the video game blends characters we already know. So there's Dom and there's Letty and there's Roman, but they also introduce new characters that are modeled after real life actors. And there's uh, Asia Kate Dillon plays Cam, and they're a non-binary actor in real life and in the game as well. And I think it's just amazing to see this thing that is so like you think car culture, and you think that you have a certain mentality of what that fan looks like or thinks about or whatever. And then for this to be like, oh, like this is so wildly progressive and so cool. And we were just blown away by how amazing it was. And how important it was to the the director of the game. We spoke to him about this and he like said, it was a really big mission of his to be more inclusive. And in his play that he got to do, you know, to write the story of the game, that this was one of his objectives when he was creating it. And that was really cool to hear. Kevo, I know that pulling like, a way to pull you in is queer representation. I know that gets your attention. And Rachel, I have to imagine as a woman who has hung in through this franchise for so long, you must be so happy to see the like you said, Ms. Nowhere better be in the Letty movie. Yeah. How do, how do you Cam, Cam can come too if they want to. Yeah, right? Totally yeah. up to them. But I would I would take it. <laughs> So how do you guys feel about seeing this further evolution and further um, representation of yourselves in a lot of ways? You want to go first? Sure. Um, it's it's awesome. I mean, women can be more than just either the the badass or the like sexy lamppost, as you like to say. <laughs> but I mean, it's like women can be powerful and smart and like not just a love interest, but also instrumental in like making sure this plan goes through without a hitch, you know? And I think it'll be really important in the Letty led movie to have it be only women that are saving the world. I think it's really important to see that. And, and on the opposite end of that, I really appreciated the second season of spy racers, having a female villain and having her be someone who is competent and very entertaining. Uh, it's listen it's up. Uh, it's <laughs> Chow goes. It's important to play both sides of that. You know, there's strong women of all types. Yep. Well, we get we do get a female villain in eight also. Mm -hmm. oh, can't even make me happier and more excited. Now, you know, guys, I want to say that with the future, you know, I can only imagine space is next, right? But that's I the rumor. Yep. <laughs> you guys brought me here good. a good time. But what I walked away with is seeing not just 
bad representation at first, which honestly is the truth, but I saw a crew that wanted to learn and provide representation in an important way. I saw men of color go from background figures to dynamic heroes. I saw women go from essentially, you know, concubines to conquerors. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see where this future goes forward. Now, guys, I want to get your hopes for the future and your handles and social media so everybody can find you to keep talking from Vroom with you. Joey, talk to me. Future of Fast Fury. I just want more, like, I want closure. I want things to combine. I think we were heading toward an end game, the end of the runway, the world's longest runway, a 20 year old franchise that we are reaching the end now. And I think that they're setting it up in a way that is very special. Um, and I think that it's the future is bright. And where can everybody find you online? I'm at Soul Pop just about everywhere. You can find the podcast anywhere you get podcasts or at cageclub.me. Brilliant. Rachel, what do you hope to see for the future? And where can everybody find you? I hope they continue on this great path they're going on. Like, I, I don't think the franchise started out as trying to be non-inclusive, and it's great to see them fixing themselves as they go. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm on social media as Rachel Thursday on pretty much everything. So come check me out. <laughs> I love it. Kevo, tell me about the queerness you hope to see in the Fast Furious future and where everybody can find you. Gay men. That's what I want for the future. You know, I really appreciate that the character of Frosty has two gay moms. That was really awesome. Uh, but like it it if you're only going to include lesbians on a franchise like this, it's probably for titillation. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, and you can find me at Kevo Really, which is right there on my name. I have been Nico Action at Nico Action on everything social media, and I hope to see Tony and Dom hug. Now, Joe, one oh. of our two hosts that started the whole thing, tell us your hopes for the future and where we can find you. I'm just completely open to anything that they do. I think they're moving in the right direction, so I'm just a blank slate here. I'll take anything that they'll give me. Um, you can find me at, at Joey D underscore on Twitter and Instagram, and um, always find us on our pages. Joey will tell you about them. Yeah, absolutely. I really love your low standards. Joey, just remind us the name of the podcast and where we can find it. Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast, anywhere you get podcasts or at cageclub.me. Guys, thank you so much. It's been amazing being fast, furious, and online with you guys. Thank you so much to NYCC, Read Pop, thank you. THQ, and the amazing folks at cageclub.me for bringing us this amazing content. Guys, thank you so much and have a great night. From Brooklyn.